Twelve-year-old Sean Doherty died in April, and his death was ruled a suicide. Now his family is fighting to have Sean's case reopened, as many unanswered questions swarm. everybody and welcome to the true crime squad this is katie weaver and i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime christy brower hello hello hey everybody how's it going oh it's going quite well Good. enjoying this fall weather yeah for another minute the winds of change are blowing through the winds Boy. are blowing so hard today that it blew over some of our halloween decorations oh no that's a bad omen <laughs> Yeah, it is. But, you know, by Halloween, the weather goes to hell here. That is just pretty yeah. much our entire lives. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. Halloween night is like a terrible sleet storm. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, as kids and, and also as parents trying to, you know, come up with Halloween costumes that you could wear a coat over or you could wear over your coat. Yeah. You know, we had an elephant for years when the kids were really little. I think most of the kids in this family wore it at one point. I think so. Because it was really, really warm. It was the full body, furry costume, you know, with the mm -hmm. whole head. And it was adorable on them. They'd run around with their little trunk, you know, flopping around. And they were cute. Mm -hmm. But uh, really, it's I had bought it initially because it was warm enough to wear for Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our 12-foot tall witch got blown over today. Oh, no. And it was... We had just pulled up to in our driveway and watched her just timber. And she didn't break. Everything's oh, okay. Except for we're like, I think we leave her down for now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. With this wind. Whew. This wind settles down. Not good. I feel like I could pin my chihuahuas to the fence. It's bad. But, you know, we've had a really long, beautiful fall. I have no complaints. There, it's yeah, been we've gotten a lot more time than we usually do we have and it's been lovely so yeah it's getting wild around here but this is our tuesday episode and mm -hmm. we have uh yesterday of course so we had our monday episode we have a brand new patreon mm -hmm. and here we are so lots happening so christy i'm just going to go ahead and pass the mic over to you for our first segment i believe we are doing a true crime update no, we are not. We're doing oh, WTF. Oh, WTF. Oh, sorry. Okay. I believe we're doing WTF. There you no. go. All right. <laughs> Often WTF news is funny. Sadly, this is definitely WTF, but it is not funny at all. Mm. Uh, recently, a four-year-old child died after eating a bunch of his mother's THC gummies. Oh, no. This happened in Virginia um, in May. So mother has been charged now with murder um, in connection to the death mm. of her four-year-old son. Uh, they're calling it a, who had a medical emergency relating to eating a bunch of gummies. Mm -hmm. um, he died. Right. Didn't he have a heart issue? Uh, yeah, and he, he died two days later. He lived in the hospital for two days. 
Oh, boy. Um, he had a very high um, level, like, toxic level of THC in his sure. blood. Oh, gosh. Um, apparently, she didn't take him right in to the doctor after it happened. Oh. And the reason that she is charged with murder, because, you know, I mean, accidents happen. I mean, I don't know why you would ever leave your gummies where your children could get into them. That's a terrible no. thing. But she didn't take him to the hospital right away for sure, you know, because she was afraid of what might happen. Yeah. But the doctor has said that had he had medical intervention sooner, it could have prevented his death. Sure. Sure. So, mm. uh, yeah. So they're going to they're charge her with murder. Um, she's been denied bond at this point, which I think is kind of strange. Um, yeah. Well, does she have a history? Not that I know of. She's been charged with one count of felony murder and one count of child neglect. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this case. It's just really sad, but it's an important yeah. one to discuss because, you know, we do, people joke all the time about like, it's right around Halloween, you know, that make sure that mm-hmm. you know nobody's putting um, weed gummies in your kids Halloween candy. And I'm always like, nobody's doing that. Right. Gummies are expensive. Like nobody's doing that. But well, in this year, of course, the conversation is fentanyl, you know, to be really careful. I know a lot of people aren't even going to do trick-or-treating this year because they're so freaked out by the fentanyl crisis. Yeah. Some of the fentanyl stuff, although, is also a hoax on the Halloween part. I've read. Oh, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, just because it's not likely to happen intentionally, it can happen unintentionally. Sure. You are not, you know, I, I don't fault anybody for having some THC gummies. But if you don't keep them in a safe place away from your little children, then mm-hmm. they're just as dangerous as any other substance that you absolutely leave lying around for your little kids. So it's just a really sad story. Very sad. But Very a, sad. a learning lesson, I think, if we can at least take that from it. Yes. Yeah, I read an article just recently about such an uptick of uh animals showing up in veterinary care for the same reason yes uh getting yeah. into their owners edibles and how deathly it is to them as well yeah it's real and, dangerous to dogs you know and unfortunately you know if you buy gummies you know a lot of times they're not packaged very safely it's not like they're in childproof uh, containers or anything of the like and some of them they, are but yeah no know, a lot of them aren't and you know maybe they need to be for Mm -hmm. for these reasons exactly they're not harmless right well and also people need to you know i mean if you have alcohol in your house and you have small children you keep it up away where they can't get to it you know of course yeah uh this is no different you know Mm -hmm. your prescription medications you wouldn't just leave them lying around where your kids could get into them no this is the same and this is so much worse because it's candy and right you know and so a child has no idea right what they're doing you know definitely is an important Time to take some responsibility. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and that knowledge that uh, had he had immediate medical intervention, they perhaps could have saved his life and gotten right. a lot of it out of his system before it ran through him like it did. Yeah. that And Very that's the thing. I mean, it's so sad that, and, you know, you can kind of understand why she waited, but also this is your kid's life you're talking yeah. about. No, really, but really at that point, it doesn't matter if you get in trouble or not. You're literally fighting to save their life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, very sad. 
Yeah. Yes, it is. So with that, I will kick the mic back to you for our main case. Okay. Okay. So we are talking about the death of Sean Doherty or Doherty or Doherty. Really depends on how people uh, choose to pronounce it. I Daughtry. Daughtry. Yeah. I I have watched. Doherty, probably. Multiple videos trying to get a good sense of how do you say that last name? Because Mm. truly, we like to get it right, you know, on episodes like this. So I apologize to Sean's family because I probably didn't. Um, I I did try to do my due diligence on it. There's Mm. family around the corner from us with the same spelling and they say it Doherty. But, Doherty. Oh, uh-huh. wow. but watching other videos, I'm seeing other people say it Doherty or anyway, I apologize. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a good answer. I, I saw right. two different YouTubers also saying the same thing. I don't know how to say this name correctly. Uh-huh. So it, it is what it is. But uh, this is Sean. Sean was 12 years old. And he died in April of 2022. Mm. And it was ruled a suicide really right out of the gate. And, and then I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it there's a lot of pieces of this that don't fit well. And his family really from also straight out of the gate has had a lot of questions about that. Mm-hmm. And just haven't been able to get those questions answered. And unfortunately, in the true crime world, we have covered countless cases where this is the case where families really fight the idea that there was a suicide and sometimes Mm -hmm. it seems justified and sometimes it doesn't you know thinking about ellen greenberg whose case has finally now been ruled a homicide yeah you know uh many years after the fact after her parents fought with it you know had attorneys fighting on their behalf for years Mm -hmm. Uh, well and elite um the one in yes. Texas, people yeah. last name. But yeah, she's another one. <clears throat> who who was also uh, hung, but didn't have a broken hyoid bone. And yeah. 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 So, yes, we've seen this a lot. In fact, I was actually going to do a different case today of another man who supposedly committed suicide, whose family is very perplexed about mm-hmm. uh, his case. And then we had a listener request for this one. And I went and looked this case up and did some research and realized that this case needs airtime. And so here we are. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best to justify uh, and just lay out the facts of the case as as best we know them. Let you guys uh, do your own homework. There is a call to action here to sign a petition for Sean's family. And I hope that you'll do that. Mm -hmm. And we'll include that in the, uh, the case description so that you can go over and sign that if you feel compelled to do so. But I want to lay out the details uh, as best I can. I'm going to be relying on a series of posts that Sean's family has put on their Facebook page. So they have a Facebook page called What Happened to Sean? Mm -hmm. And we do have that linked in the case uh, notes so that you guys can uh, go and check that out as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be relying on notes from them because who could tell a better story about what happened than them? I will say as well that I'm deeply impressed with Sean's family, particularly his mother mm-hmm. and her writing and communication and ability to take a hard look at this case. Sure. Sean lived with his mom and stepdad, uh, both of which are in the Air Force. Oh, and okay. they were only a few weeks away from moving 
this this happened in Yorktown, uh, Virginia. They were okay. just a few weeks away from moving to D.C. because she had just gotten a job at the Pentagon. Oh, okay. And there was a lot of excitement about that, particularly on Sean's part. And so they had sold the house and were renting it back from the people who bought it from them for a few more months to wrap up their life in Virginia before they moved. The week before, they had been on a big Disney cruise and had a wonderful time. And we're still kind of on the vacation glow, you know. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days before, Sean's mom had had him to the library to renew his passport because they had another Disney cruise planned coming up uh, the next year. Uh, I believe they were going on an Alaskan cruise this time, but he was super, super excited about getting his passport. That was a big deal to him. Sean was a smarty pants. He had taken at the last uh, school book fair, he had taken $107 of his own money and bought books. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Uh Uh-huh. He was a reader. He was a musician. He was a friend. He was one of those kids that you could put with anybody and he'd be okay with them. Because he was just a kind, happy, nice, you know, Mm -hmm. sweethearted kid. Uh, He had a little brother that was two that he sometimes helped out with. And this family was really, uh, they're kind of a well-oiled machine. They're a mixed family. There were kids from uh, two different uh, sets of parents that lived in this house. Mm -hmm. And then uh, our little two-year-old. And and grandma lived there too. Mom's mom. And helped out. I mean, you know, with both parents in the military, you know, it it took a village, you know, with this home. Mm -hmm. And so the day in question, Sean had been at school and had a great day at school. According to his teachers, he was his happy self. Sean was always happy. He was happy. Mm -hmm. He was upbeat. He was a a helper. You know, he was just, he's the kind of kid you want to have in your class, you know. Yeah. Who have parents that are the kind of parents whose kid you want to have in your class, you know. Mm-hmm. And he came home from school with his friends. There's some video of him coming home from school, uh, laughing, bouncing around, you know, just acting like him, you know. And yeah. when he got home, grandma was waiting for him at the door and said that mom was picking her up to take her to the doctor. And she was he was going to need to babysit for the next hour, the two-year-old little brother. Mm-hmm. No problem. He's babysat lots of times. So mom pulled up and grandma headed out. So there was just a real quick exchange there while he got in, mom left. Mm -hmm. Well, in the meantime, they discovered or, or, you know, kind of realized that the little guy had been asleep for two hours and that could result in him not sleeping at night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so uh, mom, Ramona is the mom's name. Ramona had called Sean and said, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you wake him up and Mm -hmm. let him play with you for a while till I get home? And he said, you know, that he would do that. He uh, had been planning on playing Fortnite with his friends after he finished his homework. Mm-hmm. So in the time that they were gone, he finished a homework assignment and submitted it to his teacher. And he had to send a selfie with a timestamp on it of what time he finished it. Mm-hmm. So he finished a smiling selfie with his homework, sent it to his teacher, prepared a snack. Uh, it was peaches like canned peaches in a, that he'd put in a bowl in the kitchen. And he had started to take out the trash. That was his, his job, was to take out the trash. So he'd hauled some trash from the upstairs garbages out, um, but he never hauled out the kitchen garbage. So, 
And mom talked to him on the phone three times. Um, she had talked to him about babysitting, and then she had talked to him about waking his brother up. And then mm -hmm. he called her back because initially she said, why don't you wake him up and just watch a movie with him? Mm -hmm. And then she kind of felt bad about that and was like, ah, oh, he wanted to play Fortnite with his friends. So she called him back and said, hey, just take him back upstairs with you and mm -hmm. let him play on the iPad so that you can go ahead and play Fortnite with your friends when your homework's done. Mm -hmm. So he said, yeah, he would be great to do that. And that's the last time she talked to him. So this was uh, somewhere after three o'clock. Well, the sister came home from school. A little bit later, uh, this was, so that was around 3.30 that mom talked to him last. Mm -hmm. And then the sister came home. She was 16. Her name is Marie. Marie came home and the front door was locked, which was weird because they didn't typically lock that door. Mm -hmm. And she pounded and pounded on the door and nobody answered. She called Sean repeatedly and texted him repeatedly and he didn't answer. She called her mom and her mom's like, that's really weird. He, I know he's home. He's babysitting. Mm -hmm. So she finally decides to just go see if the back door is open. So she walks around the side of the house and discovers that there is someone hanging from the swing set. Oh, God. And she didn't recognize who it was originally because the clothes weren't right. But it took her a minute to understand what she was looking at. There was a landscaper working on the neighbor's lawn next door that was just kind of standing there staring at this and at her. Mm -hmm. And she said to him, hello. And then she, you know, runs over and realizes it's her brother. So she kind of picks him up to try to get the, uh, the, the tension off of his neck. Mm -hmm. The cord around his neck, initially she thought looked like a shoelace. It turned out it was from a bag that hold, held a motorcycle helmet. Hmm. So it was like shoelace uh, type stuff. Type yeah. stuff. But um, he, the way he was, he wasn't hanging as much as he was kind of propped up. He, his, he was barefoot and his knees were nearly touching the ground. He could have stood at any mm -hmm. point, in other words, and, be, and been standing and not uh been hanging mm -hmm. but sh and she just uh pulled the rope off from around his neck it wasn't like tightened down it was more like it was under his chin so wow. she freed him from that onto the ground called 911 started cpr uh she did cpr for something like 10 or 12 minutes the police got there the uh paramedics got there they started cpr uh, by this time, uh, mom has gotten a call from, from Marie and has come home and they're doing, using an AED on Sean and shocking mm -hmm. him. And they finally get very briefly uh, a flutter of a heartbeat and they get him into the ambulance. They won't allow her in the ambulance. So she jumps into another emergency vehicle. As she's leaving the house, her daughter's boyfriend and his mother show up and so they kind of her mom's the boyfriend's mom's name is Jamie and Jamie kind of takes over you know helping grandma and helping with the kids partway through this though when they're shocking Sean with the AED it, she realizes where is the two-year-old 
Right. That's what I keep thinking. Where is the two-year-old? So suddenly she and Marie kind of lock eyes and realize at the same time, oh my God, where is he? So they both sprint through the back door, yelling his name. She sees his little legs sticking out from under a pile of laundry on the couch and runs over to him and he wakes up and he's acting all groggy and discombobulated. It's a very weird thing that he's there like that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, then they go to the hospital and they leave the little guy home with that. with Jamie, the friend, and with Grandma, and Marie, and the boyfriend. And so the kind of dad isn't there, and one of the other uh, siblings isn't there. They were together somewhere else. Mm. So they're now racing home. So she gets to the hospital and waits and waits while they're working on Sean, and eventually they come out and tell her that he didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And she just at this point has no idea what happened to her son. Right. And in fact, isn't even really thinking suicide because why would she? Right. So they let her go in and see his body. She insists on seeing his body. And she goes in and some things really strike her as odd. First of all, he's barefoot. And she had seen his Crocs in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a home where they wear shoes in the house. Um or slippers or something. They don't do bare feet in the house. Mm. And he particularly had kind of a weird thing about feet and didn't like to have his feet bare. He always Mm. wore shoes. So he'd always wear Crocs in the house. So it was weird to her. His Crocs were off. The other thing that struck her as weird was that it was April and their yard was really soupy and muddy and mess. messy, Mm -hmm. And his feet were perfectly clean. And she just Mm. thought that was weird. Like why? If he had walked from the inside of the house all the way out to the swing set, she would have thought that he would have been muddy, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then she pulls back the, the blanket off of his face and realizes that uh, he's not wearing clothes that she recognizes. And it takes her a minute. And then she realizes, yes, she knows these clothes. They belong to the stepdad. They're not his clothes. Now this this guy is 12 and he's not very big. Yeah. And he's wearing his stepdad's clothes, which was not something he did. She said it's not like he made a habit of wearing other people's clothes or anything. He has on, he didn't have pants on at that point from them working on him. Mm-hmm. Um, he had on a pair of stepdad's underwear and a shirt, a button up like dress shirt. What? Yeah. The other thing is that when they found him and first pulled him down, he had a belt wrapped around his waist that had his arms pinned down around his waist very tightly. Uh, EMS really struggled to get it removed. It was so tight. How? You can't do that to yourself and then hang yourself. Right. How would you? And you may not even be able to do that to yourself in the first place, let alone. What the hell? He also had a gray mesh bag over his head. What the hell? Yeah. Was so, that the helmet bag? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what they, they've discovered later. It was a helmet bag from their garage. Okay. That that's where the string came from. It's also where the bag itself that was over his head had come from. Mm-hmm. So he had pretty good ligature marks around his wrists from the 
bag or, or from the uh, belt. Mm -hmm. And then later, the medical examiner uh, didn't mention those wounds or marks at all. Um, none of those things were really acknowledged. Later, they also did say that uh, they produced uh, the pants or described the pants that they found on him. They were never recovered. Also, his glasses, he wore thick glasses and could not see without them. Mm-hmm. The week after this happened, one of the investigators returned his glasses. Um, she's not even sure really where they were because they weren't on him at the hospital, uh, mm -hmm. but they were missing a lens. And she asked them where the other lens was. It wasn't in the yard and they had no idea. And she asked them, did you process these? Did you do forensics on these? And they said, of course they did, but they've never produced any forensics from the glasses. Yeah. Oh, my God. So when she realizes that he's wearing clothes that aren't his, suddenly terror fills her thinking, what if there is a bad guy still at my house? Right. You know, her whole family is there. So a, she grabs a detective that comes in. And so then he seals off the room and says, this is now a crime scene. So you have mm -hmm. to leave. You can't stay in here with him. So he kicks her out of the room. And pretty soon her husband gets there and, they, uh, you know, grieve together for a little while and then they go and they're trying to wheel him out, you know, and take him into uh, to the medical examiner. And they convince him to just let her see his face one more time. The police are acting very just um, deadpan, matter of fact. There's one officer at the house who says this does not add up. Everyone else is just immediately like, oh, so was he getting bullied at school? Has he been having a hard time? Was he depressed? And they're like, no. There was one little incident with some girls uh, teasing him over Christmas that they dealt with. And that's the only bullying type action his parents or his teachers could come up with at all. It just wasn't the case. But from the get-go, uh, it seems like the police were very happy to just let this be a suicide. Sure. But, you know, the, the pieces just don't fit. So but the evidence doesn't fit at all. No. So in the meantime, they did uh, ask the family to leave the home for the night uh, until they finished processing. Okay. So they checked them into a hotel. So they go to a hotel and everyone is just so shell-shocked. They don't even know what to do with themselves and, and are so terrified. And... Our baby boy, our little two-year-old, is bouncing off the walls, you know, acting like a happy-go-lucky two-year-old would, you know, even in the face of a crisis. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. And he tells mom that there was, that uh, Sean had a friend over that was punching him. Jeez. And that uh, he hit him too. <sighs> so she's like, what the hell? So she's tells calls the police and tells them that but they're just treating her like shit yeah. and, and just not like listening or believing her they're kind of like at one point they told her she's in time she'll get over this and that uh sometimes it takes people years to come to uh peace with a suicide but she will over time what the hell they also told marie not to tell anyone what happened 
or what she saw or what, what was going on here. There were neighbors everywhere just kind of watching. Some people brought food over. Some people were just kind of staring from their driveways, like not knowing what to do. But the police immediately started keeping it really, really hush-hush and getting really quiet and weird about it. And uh, mom felt like the police immediately went into damage control mode before any determinations were really made. Well, they called them and told them the house was clear and they could go home about midnight. Mm-hmm. And so their choices, of course, were to just try and stay in the hotel for the night and go home in the morning or just go home. Mm-hmm. And as a family, they decided, you know what, we just want to go home. So they went home and immediately there were some things out of place that didn't really track. One of them is that there were garbage bags in the kitchen on the floor with blue handles. Well, she buys her garbage bags from Costco, always. And, you know, buys the big bulk uh, boxes of them. Mm-hmm. And they're white with red handles. And she was like, these garbage can- bags aren't ours. They're not ours. Where did they mm-hmm. come from? They were kind of shredded up on the floor in the kitchen. And then they uh-huh. go upstairs to their bedroom. And guess whose underwear is on the floor in their room? Sean's. Mm-hmm. And the again, police didn't find those? No. They didn't even search the house. No. So her husband, they get gloves and a bag and they bag the the underwear and they bag the garbage bags and hold on to them for detectives. Um, They did take them, but they have never been privy to any kind of forensics that may have been done on them uh, or where they even ended up at all. So... They just all sleep in mom and dad's bed that night. Nobody really sleeps. And they get up the next morning and Jamie, the family friend, the boyfriend's mom, Mm -hmm. she calls the school, lets them know what happened um, and that, you know, the kids are going to be out for a few days. And the school doesn't know what to think because there's just all these rumors swirling now and people aren't sure if the what happened to this boy Mm -hmm. and you know people are starting to wonder if their kids are safe you know sure and so the police department starts getting flooded with phone calls from people wanting to know what the hell happened over there and are is our community safe so Mm -hmm. the police eventually go to the high school and do a presentation about suicide and tell the whole school that there's absolutely nothing to worry about there's no predator in their midst or anything this was just a terrible thing that happened and everybody's safe and don't worry about it what the hell i mean how how are they determining that it makes no sense the other thing is that the morning after jamie's there helping and mom comes into the kitchen and jamie's there washing dishes Mm -hmm. and she was kind of just able to eavesdrop a little into, you know, people, officers that had been there and stuff. And it was real clear to her that they were just like, ah, this family's just being unrealistic. This is just a suicide. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Ramona realizes that there's a big handprint on the back door, like on the window, on the glass. That's oh, kind of filmy, almost like it's like a they had a substance on their hand. Mm-hmm. And it's a big hand. And so she kind of measures her hand against it. Definitely not hers. Uh, or anyone else's in the house. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't there, you know, 
she, she has a beautiful, clean home that wasn't there, right? Mm -hmm. So she calls the police and they come over and they did, uh, they did take prints off of it. But again, we're not sure whatever happened with those prints. I, I think they were told at one point that there was no match to those prints, but they're just not really sure. Everything that they've been told to them is, is just very little actually. Sure. And they haven't really been allowed to uh, access much of a police report or get anything back. The communication mm -hmm. has been really, really stunted and stalled. The police have made a couple of public statements, uh, basically claiming that the things that uh, this family are saying are just conflated and mostly just gossip and not really true. And that basically they just need to come to terms with the fact that their son commits suicide. And that's just what happened here. It just doesn't, none of this makes any sense at all. No, it does not track at all. Um, one of the biggest questions I had, and I can't find an answer to it. I don't know that there is an answer on their part is that was his highway broken? I don't guess that right. it was because the, the rope wasn't really tied around his neck. Well, yeah. What was cause of death? Has it ever been released? <laughs> no. What the hell? So obviously this family is fighting. Yeah. You know, they're fighting for answers and to know what's actually happening. Because they have not gotten good answers whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And the official response they've gotten from the police are a real problem. So some of the questions that the family really wants answers to, um, and that these are some bullet points from them. Sean's arms were belted tightly to his body. How did he put a bag over his head and a string over that while having belted hands? Yeah. Sean's glasses were broken. He could not see. Where was the missing lens? Mm -hmm. Sean did not leave a note. He did not search how to commit suicide. He did not communicate with any strangers online. Mm-hmm. Sean submitted all of his upcoming assignments online as soon as he got home from school. He also prepared himself a snack, which was left uneaten on the counter. Sean was in the process of babysitting his little brother and so many other things. But like, why would he, if he was going to take his own life, why would he choose that moment? Yeah. Why would he choose that moment? I, there's just so many things about it that just don't add up. Yeah. And all the family is asking for is a second set of eyes. They're just asking mm -hmm. the sheriff's department to just bring in a second entity to take a second look yeah. and see if uh, they see something different. And they aren't having it. Wow. This will end up in court. This will have to get litigious in order for them to get that second set of eyes. And unfortunately, um, it seems like there's a lot of evidence that may or may not have ever been processed or even kept. We just don't know. I mean, yeah. a, a huge part of it is that they just don't know. I, I think that uh, what these guys didn't understand, or maybe law enforcement didn't understand about this family, is that these two are in the military. They are well-educated. Mm -hmm. They're well-trained. They're intelligent. And they're not going to take no for an answer. Because why would they? They're confident enough to feel comfortable. Yes. Fighting the police. Yeah. Wow. So... That's where this case stands right now. And they still are in the process of just trying to get something going. Mm -hmm. And they don't really know 
what the next step will be, except for that they just aren't going to be quiet. And I think that's probably the the, the key, you know, mm -hmm. is to keep talking. It's why we're covering it. It's why some other true crimers have picked it up and started covering it. Um, we will all keep talking about this case <coughs> and continue yeah. to put pressure on the uh, the Yorktown PD to do right. the right thing here. This is pride. Is it? I think this is laziness. Yeah. This is. Is this we fucked up and thought this was a suicide, so we didn't take all of the evidence that we should have, and now they're trying to cover their asses? I, I mean, what? If this was the first time we'd seen this, yeah, I might feel somewhat differently. Maybe yeah. not. But it's far from the first time we've seen this. We've seen this so many times that it right. just boils my blood. And so to yeah. see this family facing this with this absolutely precious boy yeah. who clearly wasn't suicidal. No, they have no, they have nothing to back that up at all. No, no. And, and had so much going for him and was such a light in his family. I just cannot imagine what they're going through. And of course, oh. all of our condolences and, and heart and soul go out to them. Yeah. But we'll keep talking about this case. And I hope that you guys do too. Definitely. So the call to action, I have two for you. One is the petition. Please go sign the petition. It mm -hmm. is at change.org. It is called What Happened to Sean? And Sean is spelled S-E-A-N. Mm-hmm. You can find it by just searching it, but I will also link it in our case notes. Um, they have twenty, almost twenty-eight thousand signatures so wow. far. Yeah, they're they're building some, uh, you know, some motion here, and they just mm -hmm. they need more. They just need more. They need more attention. If this case would get some really good national <laughs> attention, something would have to change. Yeah. They That's did try to get the FBI involved as well and just were really unsuccessful because what happens, and we've seen this in a lot of other cases, thinking about Dylan Rounds uh, mm -hmm. in here in Idaho and Utah right now, is that if the Sheriff's Department doesn't want the FBI's help, they don't really assert themselves. They go, well, we're here for support, and if you don't want right. our support. They need to be invited. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because the FBI should be involved, you know, and, and also because mom and dad are both in the military, there was some hope that the military would get involved, but they too acted, I think, a little squeamish about stepping on the toes of the uh, local PD. And so they just, nobody's been willing to step up wow. or maybe legally able to, you know, without being invited. So, <coughs> so please sign the petition. Please share this episode or the petition there's also a couple other articles that I will share with you in the case notes. You can share that rather if, you, if you'd rather. Um, and the Facebook page. And the Facebook yeah. page is what happened to Sean. Mm -hmm. And again, Sean is S-E-A-N. Yeah. But uh, that's another great way to uh, be able to support them. And also to just kind of keep track of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. So that if and when they need help in the future, we're a little more mobilized to be able to notice what's going on with them. And we'll try for to keep sure. you guys abreast as well. I'm really holding, holding space that they get their answer, you know, that they get a second peek here uh, yeah. because it is my opinion that someone murdered Sean. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that the family did finally was ask the entire neighborhood for all of their uh, ring video or, you know, ring doorbell yeah. video stuff. They got some, they got some things that were kind of weird and inconclusive, but the, uh, but law enforcement wasn't asking for those and wasn't interested in seeing them. Yeah. 
Well, they're pretty clear that they're not interested in considering this as a murder. No, no, they're definitely not. And they're still an interesting not. way to protect their communities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did get a conference call with uh, all of Sean's teachers. And Sean's teachers were beyond devastated and shocked and agreed that no part of uh, Sean's behavior at any time would have made them worry about his mental health or about, uh, you know, thinking that this child could have been suicidal. Um, and especially the teachers that had him in class that day that had literally sure. seen him like hours before were just, they were completely bowled over. Well, yeah, that definitely does not add up. No. So all of our love to the Daughtry Rivas family and, you know, we'll just keep tracking this case as best we can. So I hope mm -hmm. I did it justice. Um, there's a lot of information there, but I think we got the most key points and we'll, we'll keep watching. And thank you to the listener who uh, turned us on to this case and asked us to cover it. This is definitely one that deserves airtime. Absolutely. So with that, Christy, I'm going to turn the mic back over to you for our uh, final episode or sorry, our final uh Segment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that will be a case update. Mm -hmm. We've been following Ethan Crumbly for about a year now. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you may remember that he is the young man who shot up Oxford High School. Oxford High School is in Michigan. Mm -hmm. He killed four students, <laughs> as well as injured several others. Yeah. Well, Ethan Crumbly, who was 15 at the time that this happened, is now 16. Yeah. And he is set to plead guilty to terrorism and murder. Wow. Yeah. And this is not a plea deal, right? There is no deal. Wow. There was no deal on the table. <clears throat> the prosecutor um, also said that um, they were really, it was very important to them that he be charged with terrorism and convicted mm -hmm. of terrorism um, to address the damage caused to those who were not killed or injured, but were, you know, have serious PTSD after, yeah. after this experience. This is the first time that we will see a uh, an American citizen who has committed a school shooting be convicted of terrorism. Yeah. Now, of wow. course, um, uh, Ethan's parents, James and Jennifer, yeah, are also sitting in jail awaiting right. trial on their own trial for their involvement in providing mm -hmm. him with the gun <clears throat> and ignoring over and over and over again, including on the day. Mm -hmm. of the shooting um his pleas for help and the pleas of his school yeah. to help because he was clearly deteriorating yeah. in, in the mental health department yeah it's this is going to be very interesting i'm really glad he's pleading i'm so grateful for the all of the victims that yeah. they do not have to go through a trial because yes. that would have been a nightmare Mm -hmm. uh, for all of them and the victims' families. Um, I am very curious to see how this affects James and Jennifer because Ethan is supposed to be called as a witness in their in trial. Their trial. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and everyone really questioned why would you call it's them it's not the prosecution it's the defense that's calling yeah. him um you know to try and prove they're not as shitty of parents as they claim to or you know as everyone sees them as as the prosecution claims them to be right um now ethan's pleading guilty i don't know if that will affect this or not but i think it's fascinating i think it's horrific that they're calling him as a witness uh they've never cared about his mental health and they clearly still don't right. uh to be doing that but uh we're nowhere near done with this case but we are on ethan's side which is pretty amazing yeah so is there a sentence <clears throat> um they're they're asking for life in prison. Uh, that's he's because he's a minor is not eligible for the death penalty. Yeah, and it's very unusual in Michigan for a minor to get a life sentence. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of you know there's going to be a lot of questions when it comes to sentencing. Yeah, what they're going to do with this kid? He's only 16 now. He was 15 yeah. when he committed these murders. It's. But Ethan it, is so deeply disturbed. Oh, so deeply disturbed. Yeah. He, what, um, one thing in this case that has really gotten me is after he was arrested, um, you know, within like two months of being arrested, he was asking the jail for his fan mail. Yes. Because he sees himself as some kind of a little hero. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's bad. It's as bad as it could possibly be. Yeah. But it, you know, for whatever reason, he's chosen to plead guilty and to plead guilty to the original charges, not yeah. to any kind of plea deal at all, really, uh, you know, is mm -hmm. unusual. But we just saw this happen mm -hmm. with the Parkland shooter. Yes. And he also pled guilty. Yes. And then the, the sentencing phase was a huge deal. Oh went on forever and i think we'll see that in this case as well mm -hmm. it's possible and i don't know about michigan law for sure but it is possible that although he pleads guilty to the crime that there will still be a jury to hear evidence to determine sentence uh-huh that's possible um, yeah that's, that's what happened in parkland right so, and it was excruciating oh just God. excruciating it was yeah and so we're not, you know, still kind of early in the game, but this is what's been um, announced is that he is going to plead guilty. Wow. So. Very interesting. Yeah. And as well, he should plead guilty. Well, it's not, there's no question that he did it. No, none. Um, yeah. And, but yeah. But then what's going to happen with his parents? I mean, it's going to be a bumpy I mean, They've been in jail now for 11 months. Yeah, this and they're each charged with four misdemeanor or four uh not misdemeanors, four uh involuntary manslaughter, I think. Manslaughter, that's the word. Yep. Four involuntary manslaughter is a piece. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this case this case is um breaking all the rules. This case it, is yeah, changing the game for school settings. shooters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, school shooters themselves and, and uh, their, parents. their parents. You know, there's finally some accountability for the person providing the gun. Yes. Yep. So, shall be interesting. So, we'll keep you posted on what happens with that. Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. All righty. Well, this was our Tuesday episode. So, we'll be back Wednesday with a brand new episode. We'll be back Wednesday night with case updates. We will also be back Wednesday night for the cold read party. Now, if you're thinking we just had the cold read party last week, we did. 
But we had a tech issue last week that cost us the cold read party, cost last you month. guys the cold read party. Or yeah, last month, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and we were certainly, that's not how we roll. So we wanted to make sure we made that up to you this month. So if you are subscribers to our channel and do subscribe to the cold read party, you can attend that. So that'll be right after case updates on Wednesday night. So it'll be around 8 o'clock, 8.15 Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you subscribe or if you would like to subscribe, you know, go ahead and do that before then. You just do that over on YouTube on the subscribe button. Mm -hmm. um, and you can come to the cold read party and we'll read uh, some cases together. We'll present a case to you to mm -hmm. work on reading and we'll pick up a case, uh, pick up cases from you guys and read them. So yeah. it's a very interesting time and we appreciate uh, you guys attending and being a part of that kind of our work with us. Uh, in the meantime, though, please uh, sign the petition for Sean's family. Go follow yeah. their Facebook page. Pay attention to what's going on with this case. They really need and deserve the, uh, the public's help and assistance and attention on this. Mm -hmm. And go do something good for yourself. My God, you deserve it. Absolutely. <laughs> this has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Take care. Bye, everybody.